Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, March 28th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss tools, tools, and more tools. Grunt, Atom, Dropzone, Popcorn, and oh, so much more. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Can you hear the craziness that's going on upstairs? I can. You can. That that. Yeah. I would like to point out that that uh, is a forty-pound person making all that noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he's you know full of energy. Yeah, makes a difference. Yeah. So I'm sure there'll be copious amounts of editing after the fact. <laughs> you see the, you can you can do like do like they did to Kira yesterday and just make him run up and downstairs for an hour. I, he's I I figured it's been a half an hour of the running back and forth. I was normally I would be like you know could you guys knock it off? But I figured by the time we got on the call he would have worn, run out of energy. Zonked out. Silly yeah. me. Yeah. See, it's it's up and down the stairs that does it, apparently. Yeah, that's she, a good idea. She came home yesterday and she was so wiped out. <laughs> Meanwhile, Maggie's in the middle of it sleeping like, uh, well, like a baby. Yeah, like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I, I, I want to point out that I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts for the first time in 700 months. <laughs> Yay. Our, our furnace isn't on. So. Yeah, bonus. Very nice. I'm finally getting there, people. I mean, it is supposed to snow tomorrow here, but whatever. Yeah, we had some snow day before yesterday. Yep, us too. It was really weird because we had a little bit of snow overnight, but then it warmed up and it all melted, and, and then it stayed warm, but we had the snow come through, and like within a half hour, we got like two inches dumped on us. And, <laughs> and then it just kind of... Went away just as suddenly and, and then all melted again. And yeah, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wacky. Well, someday it'll end and we can uh, be lounging around outside recording the podcast with umbrella drinks. Yes, that would be nice. Yes. Oh, wow. So this week we're going to talk about tools. First, I want to make sure uh, we cover any housekeeping for people. Uh, just to apologize to the people that I haven't sent stickers out to yet, I kind of got bogged down with some health issues and blah, 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 and I didn't make it back to the post office last week, so. Priorities, I'm to Kelly. do that on Monday. Priorities. I know, I know. I've got most of them sent out, but there's a few to go still. Yeah. Cool. Well, I've get got them, mine, so who cares? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they came out great. My my MacBook Air is emblazoned with the niche sticker. I haven't had nice. anyone come up to me yet and ask what it is, but oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I've yeah. I've got one on my Chromebook. Yeah, cool. That's even cooler. That's nerdier. Very nice. So I've got a, a little something to pimp, which isn't something we usually do. Okay. But uh, a a customer, potential customer, contacted me recently with an interesting request that I'm going to turn into a uh, Jesus. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> that was like the trash compactor scene from Star Wars. <laughs> it was. What was he doing? Scooting a chair across I, the no, floor upstairs? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> it was probably an extended face plant. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so someone got in touch with me recently about doing an internal um, talk, which is fairly common. I do talks Mm -hmm. at, at, you know, for large organizations. They have me come in and do like a half day or full day, sometimes two days. Uh, But they had an interesting situation where they've got about 200 employees on any given day at this particular location. And, um, and it's a really wide mix of people. It's, it's like a totally uh, heterogeneous group of people you'd imagine in an office, everything from HR to management to development and, you know, developers and designers, everything. So it was kind of like, well, what do you, you know, what do you want me to talk about? And we came up with this idea of doing like an internal conference where I do basically a single track, four sessions in one day, uh, 90 minutes each with breaks. And then people can just sign up for whatever one they want and drop in or, or not as the case may be. Um, so they've got, you know, a big room with AV and all that. And, uh, so I thought it was a kind of cool idea. I don't know why I never thought of it before, but kind of yeah, like, that a, sounds kind of cool. Yeah. It's like a one day private internal conference. And, uh, the, <clears throat> and the, the four sessions sort of start from very 30,000 foot to, you know, right down to boots on the ground at the end. So first talk is like supposed to get people to think outside of the box and, and kind of get out of their day to day of building whatever responsive websites or mobile apps and, and think like, think about wearables, think about Oculus, think about watches and, and what, what they can do now to prepare, prepare for that while also making their lives easier today. Right. Uh, and then that moving into um, more of a, a, a case study workflow talk based on the entertainment weekly experience that uh, I had with the global moxie team. Mm-hmm. We talk about how to actually sort of set up the organization to, you know, like if you don't start out with Photoshop, then, you know, what do you do? It's, it's like, how do you yeah. get sign off? How do you, how do you run a project with, uh, how do you collaborate with designers, developers, and and stakeholders to get something done if you don't follow this waterfall approach that we had done in the past with uh, uh, with basically with Photoshop comps, right? Uh, so talking about that, and then uh, talk on basically tools, which is something we're going to talk about today, uh, but tools to make that sort of just um, kind of like instantiate that workflow, if you will. Mm-hmm. So what are the tools that you would use to do that? So things like Pattern Lab and Grunt and uh, CodeKit and Git in general and, you know, wi- wireframing tools and Keynote, you know, all that stuff. Like, yeah. like okay, here's, here's how the project went, but what did you guys actually do on a day-to-day basis? Like, what did each person use for tools to get things done? Right. Uh, and then finally, the last one is it, they're a pretty mature organization, actually. They do a lot of responsive web design already. They've completely drunk the Kool-Aid on that. So um, they wanted to do, uh, but they did want to do a, a real nuts and bolts talk specifically about how to deal with images on a responsive website. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking the last talk in general, not, you know, for these guys, obviously it's going to be that, you know, like using uh, icon fonts and SVG and, and fallbacks and, you know, above the fold preloading, et cetera, et cetera. Like how to, how to deal with all of that stuff very pragmatically. Um, but in general, I think that, uh, that last, that last fourth talk of the day would be a, a very specific, um, nuts and bolts thing that people could choose. I've got about nine or 10 different, um, hour to nine, you know, 60 to 90 minute long, you know, how to 
talks yeah. that I do. And so somebody could just sort of pick that last one. So pick, pick from one of those. Yeah. So whatever it is, like uh, crash, you know, responsive web design boot camp, or, um, yeah. you know, fo- phone gap or whatever. Yeah. Or they could say, I want all of them come back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do a second day. <laughs> So if anybody out there is uh, working for a, an organization that fits that bill, you know, maybe you have a couple hundred people that uh, are very cross-functional and you think you might benefit from a, uh, a day of the Jonathan treatment. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, and if you have a couple of hundred people that are very dysfunctional, you may benefit as well. Maybe even more. Cause I, you know, I know dysfunction. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, the, uh, That'll be up on my, it's not up yet, but it will be by the time you're listening to this. And uh, I'm thinking the link will be uh, jonathanstark.com slash full day. So if you want to check that out, uh, if you have any questions or suggestions, because it's a new thing that I'm planning on offering, then please do let me know. It's a good idea. I like it. Excellent. Well, I'm pretty excited about it. It sounds like fun to me. So, Um, all right. Anything you want to pimp while we're pimping things? (laughs) No, no, not really. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, maybe next time. So let's see. Um, we, I know, I think we've both been pretty much heads down coding. Uh, yeah. Last couple of days. So uh, last week anyway. So uh, <laughs> I feel like that's all I've done <laughs> since December. <laughs> head down coding nonstop. Yeah. So hence the tools episode. We've had a, a several kind of high level like like wow futurist futuristic you know designing websites to be displayed on a lizard type of stuff <laughs> um so figured to be a good time to pull it back down to earth and talk about uh stuff we've been using mostly kelly actually um to get their jobs done yes so in no particular order. Uh, the first one that came up was grunt. You know, you've mentioned this recently that, that you tried it out and you loved it, which didn't surprise me because it seems like it'd be right up your alley. Uh, it's kind of a code kit alternative for the command line friendly. Yeah. But way more powerful. Yeah. Well, as is typically the case when you go from a go yeah. to a command line, the command line. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I actually, I haven't used it a whole lot more since I said that because I've, I've primarily been working inside of a rails application, um, which has got all of the, the whole rails asset pipeline and manages, manages all the build stuff that I would likely use grunt for. Mm-hmm. So I haven't, so, you know, unless I'm doing a project that's, that's like where I'm, I'm doing the front end or it's, heaven forbid PHP or, you know, (laughs) (laughs) something like that. Um, I I don't often need a build tool, but, um, well, actually that's not true because I'm getting ready to start a Sinatra app that I'll probably use it for. Um, because I, you know, I'm I'm not going to, going to try and wedge in all of the, the sprockets and management, asset management and stuff through sprockets in Sinatra. But, um, but yeah, I, I've uh, played around with Grunt some, and um, wish I'd started playing around with it about two years ago. <laughs> I don't know was I, Grunt even around no, two years ago. I was ago? just going to say you're, you're, you don't have to feel bad because it wasn't. It's, no, I, I wish I'd I wish I jumped on that bandwagon from day one. <laughs> yeah, actually, Grunt and and there's sort of a a um, a rapper project that lives above that called Yeoman. Yes, and uh, and I jumped on Yeoman right out of the gate as kind of like training wheels 
intro to Grunt, and I kind of mm-hmm. regretted it because they changed, Yeoman changed a lot with uh, the the next update, and then I was like, you know what, I. It's weird because, like you mentioned, we've already mentioned like a few things that are in this category, like Grunt and Rails Asset Pipeline and Code Kit do some similar things. So maybe for the benefit of the dear listener, you could describe what those things are so they can decide whether or not they even care to listen. Yeah, they're they're all tools for for automating various various build processes that you can, um, yeah, that, that you would need when developing a website and. Uh, like the Rails asset, to to an extent, the Rails asset pipeline and definitely Grunt um, are extendable to add additional scripting functionality beyond that. But uh, in a nutshell, at the at the very basic level, we're talking about um, linting and compiling and concatenating CSS, JavaScript, CoffeeScript, um, SAS, SASless, Stylus, whichever mm-hmm. CSS preprocessor that and just um. Yeah, yeah, a front end building building your building your front end code. Right. So even if you're a philistine like me and you wouldn't touch SAS with a ten foot pole or coffee script, <laughs> then um well really philistine equals grumpy old man, but the uh the benefits of grunt are or or any of these really are are pretty big and nice. So they're a little bit of a <clears throat> the the idea of a comp uh, a compile step for a website kind of irks me, but mm-hmm. I have gotten over that because the the benefits are huge. Like you, the linting is great because you immediately are alerted to just stupid typos that you make. Yeah, and if you're not using an IDE, which you're probably not, you know, you're probably just typing away in Sublime Text or whatever, um, then. Uh, you know, it it's just great. It's like it's like having a second pair of eyes on the code. Yeah, like I don't I don't like IDs. <laughs> no, me neither. Right. I don't so even I'd, know. I I'd don't even know of one. Stuff. Like, what is one these uh, days? JetBrains has one called yeah. Web something that people Web like Storm. a lot. WebStorm. People like that a lot. There's PHP Storm if you do PHP. Yeah, and there's another um, one. I guess that, Eclipse. Yeah, no, nobody uses that, do they? Yeah. Eclipse for web development. Mm. But there is one that uh, a Coda. A lot of people use do. Coda. <laughs> yeah. Is that what it's called? Coda. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one that seems to be reasonably popular with people who are more design centric. Mm-hmm. But so the, the the bottom line is that this it's like it does this step for you throughout the process that normally in the past I just did at the very end when I was ready to go to production. Yeah. But that doesn't really fly because there is no very end, <laughs> especially with <laughs> no, me. There's not. Yeah. You, when you get to the, when you think you get to the end, you really just get to the first release and then there's always like hot fixes and, and, and just maintenance and changes. And you might as well have that, minification concatenation built into the process so that you don't even have to think about it like you're always outputting like this pristine you know valid relatively you know not bug free yeah, but yeah and you get you get to see how it's going to perform and how it's going to work in production yeah it's pretty great and it and you and uh all of them really they, you just turn them on and they work in the background. So you don't, yeah. you don't have to think about it too much. You just have to remember to turn it on. Yeah. Well, well, or like with rails, you don't even, you know, you don't even have to do anything. So <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the magic, the magicest of them all, the, the magicest of magicest of them all. Yes. yes. So uh, in rails, you would have to actively 
make an effort to turn it off. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. Opinionated software, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And actually, I I have thought about um, just as an experiment instead of using Grunt on a Rails project instead of the asset pipeline for one because I'd I'd read a couple of interesting articles about it. And I do see situations where there would could potentially be some benefits. So, mm. but cool. I haven't got around to, you know, you know how my free time is these days. Yeah, it's just copious. <laughs> yeah. So, so the the cool thing about, um, I mean, this is really it's, this is really like one of those things where you're ready to level up your game. Kind of, mm-hmm. it's it's there's a learning curve and it changes your workflow a little bit, and it adds a little bit more friction to the process it's one more thing you have to launch yeah it's a little bit more overhead but the 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 savings on the back end i think are well worth it once you get used to it and you can do all sorts of things to your terminal etc whatever whichever workflow you decide to use to to make it happen even more automatically than it already does Mm -hmm. but so the, the cool thing is well once you've already got that going like like once you've worked even just code kit i think the easiest one is code kit you just like yeah buy it and just launch it and it just starts going yeah yeah and uh once you're down with that once once that's part of your workflow all of a sudden you're like oh well you know starting to use sas is a lot less of a big deal for me because <laughs> it's like oh i you know i don't really have to worry about because like when I first looked at SAS, right. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. This has a lot of the things that drive me nuts about CSS. Um, but then I have to deal with, you know, that it's like, okay, I, I can see clearly how to write it. So I'm writing, okay, great. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Nesting, I like that. And, and then like, how do I compile it? And do I have to do this every time? And, you know, once you, if you start from that direction, it, which is the way I started, it was like, nah, I just really just write this by hand. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. But if you already have this thing running all the time, that's minifying stuff. And oh, by the way, we'll compile your SAS down to CSS without you doing literally anything else. Yeah. And we'll tell you when you made a mistake. Yeah. Like the application bounces to the front when it's like, dude, you forgot a semicolon <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's great. It's almost. I mean, it's not pair programming, but it's it's the next best thing. So and it's and and I am since I'm working on uh, I'm coming in behind Kelly on a project to do to finish up some JavaScript work, and since it's all in CoffeeScript, I I'm like kind of starting to like CoffeeScript. Yeah, I, I figured you would either kind of start to like it, or you would be hiring Hitman. No, it's like it's. <laughs> I mean, there's no argument. It's way easier to read. It's a much more, I mean, it's, it's pure syntax sugar, mm-hmm. but it's so nice. <laughs> it's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And if you're cool with uh, code kit or or one of them, any of them, then it's no big deal. Uh, really. And, and the, the thing of it that I really like is when you, is that you don't have to worry about that refactor step. Like yeah. a lot of times when I write JavaScript, I write it in a kind of sloppy, fast way to get functionality working. And then I go back and refactor a couple of times to optimize it, uh, clean up any like scope leakage, anything like that. And you don't, you just don't even have to think about that. It just turns the code into like, it's like all of your code was written by Paul Irish personally, you know? <laughs> right. It's it, so pretty. <laughs> it's yeah. And it's, it's like heavily optimized. Yes. 
And so, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but it would be super interesting if, uh, it's like once you're writing in this, I mean, is it fair to call it a, is this like a, a DSL type of, like is coffee script? script? Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's like, what, a, that's what I would call it. Yeah. So once you have that and you're writing in this, this, uh, sort of regimented compilable format, I assume, I don't know, but I assume that you could compile it to diff- down to different things. So like, uh, like Asm.js, which is a super optimized version of JavaScript that, um, mm-hmm. that has been used to port like the Unreal 3D engine to uh, the web, to WebGL or <laughs> whatever. I mean, like, like insanely optimized subset of JavaScript. I, one wonders if you could write CoffeeScript and compile it down to Asm.js or, or whatever, but I, you just feel like it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know, if I dig the, I dig the syntax, I like the way it looks. It's really easy to read. It's a lot less typing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty well supported in terms of like uh, code completion and, and, and uh, syntax highlighting and, and geez, I'm running CodeKit or Grunt anyway. So like really why not not? yeah i mean it was the for loop that got me the for loop was like (laughs) i was like i can't i can never write another java javascript for loops are the worst thing in the world they're so horrible or i equals zero semicolon i less than thing length minus one i plus but yeah god yeah it's brutal (laughs) So it's even worse than the four var I, you know, it's yeah. ridiculous. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so the idea of a preprocess, like whatever it is, a grunt code kit, or if you're a rails person, then, you know, asset pipeline, the idea of that is probably, I think a good first step into outputting better code, mm-hmm. faster code and, and safer or less buggy code. But it's also the kind of gateway drug to SAS and CoffeeScript and probably explains why a lot of the cool kids got into that stuff because they were like, oh, you know, since I'm doing this anyway, why am I writing all this stupid JavaScript by hand and like (laughs) doing these closures and like these in-place executing functions? Like, why don't I just write CoffeeScript and have the the compiler take care of it? So it's it's pretty sweet. It's pretty sweet. And it it will soon have you wanting to automate as much of your life as you can. Yeah. Which we all know is the goal of life is to replace our jobs with a small shell script, right? Yeah. So, or replace ourselves. So that reminds me, you know, we didn't put on the list, uh, I guess in the, under the, and so much more category, uh, Capistrano, which we've talked about before. Oh, yes. And, it's my understanding that it, it could be, I could be wrong about this, but it's my understanding that you can, that you can tie Capistrano and Grunt together, although it might be Yeoman that does that. Um, no, you can write Capistrano tasks that'll, you can write tasks in Capistrano to execute things through Grunt. Oh, I see. Yeah, that would, that would really be, be you know, no problem to do. Um, Cause I mean, you can make Capistrano do like arbitrary shell commands or, there you go. Or, you know, execute rig tasks or any, anything like that. So, Which that might be a good segue into the Pattern Lab talk. Okay. So Pattern Lab, we've talked about before. I uh, used it extensively. You know, it was created by Brad Frost and uh, Dave Olson 
uh, jumped in and, and worked on the second version of it or the current version of it. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it's kind of like a cross between a wireframing tool and like a prototype, a, like a prototyping tool for responsive websites that are built using mm-hmm. atomic design. Was that enough buzzwords? That, that was enough buzzwords. I think. Uh, that's enough buzzwords. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, the, the concept general concept of atomic design being that you just develop you design and like create these little uh well he uses a like matter terminology so he create like an atom which is like a teeny little thing like an input like an email input or yeah like a t- just a tiny thing and then you turn that into a molecule by maybe adding a wrapper div and a label around it and something like that and then you include that into a bigger thing to create an organism up, 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 up the chain until you have a sperm whale. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, and in fact, that's the, that's the only thing that ever really bugged me when I was working with, um, pattern lab V zero, which was that it seemed really arbitrary to me what, what the difference between a molecule and an organism were, you know, it's like, well, how do I decide which one to go in? I still have to search everywhere when I'm looking for. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of feels that way to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's nice to have a little bit of organization and hierarchy, but still it felt kind of arbitrary. However, it was very useful um, at the, you know, regardless of that niggle, um, it was very useful to be able to go very quickly from uh, a like style tile type of design that we were getting from the, uh, the, you know, the designer and a uh, an information architecture kind of gray box wireframes coming from the IA person. It was yeah. really easy to take the 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 gray box thing and turn that into just sort of generic uh, HTML blocky elements. And then as we got the designs for each little piece, like the search box or that the um, the tab navigation at the top of the site, you could kind of colorize that stuff. And those pieces would come alive in the page or the the template, mm-hmm. the, the the highest level organism. Uh, it would sort of come alive there in pieces, so it was kind of slowly being colorized, if you will. And it was great because you could go into a meeting on on a Monday and say, "Hey, look, you know, we we talked last week about the tab nav and the colors exactly and the fonts and and the spacing and and here and it here is, and here are these yeah. buttons where we can show it at these different widths automatically and." And it was a great way to get sign off uh, at an atomic level, hence the name. Mm. Um, so since then, they have drastically upgraded it, uh, or, or I should say drastically added features and made it more abstract and perhaps perhaps too abstract for my taste, uh, but abstract nonetheless. And one of the things that... Uh, one of the things that it does now that it didn't do before, it was a little slow before. That was one of the problems. Mm-hmm. When you were demoing it, it was not fast because you had it had to include a lot of stuff and then it was, you know, there's a lot going on. It was like reading through massive directories of files and looking for stuff. And so it was a little slow. Uh, so at, at some point they decided to create like a compile step where there's a source directory and a public directory. Yeah. And the, the and you can leave this... Um, PHP task sort of running in the background, like another one of these kind of watcher things. And whenever you make changes to the source directory behind the scenes, it updates the static website that's hosted in the public directory. So that's all well and good, uh, except except you 
there's this thing where if you want to like automatically deploy, and this is where I'm getting to the tools. This is where I'm slowly okay. working my way around. Um, I, think, I think we're, I think I'm, I think I'm standing to the the place you're driving to. The place you're driving to. Yeah, you're yeah. ready. You're ready for the handoff. Yeah. Um, so with something like Capistrano or Grunt or or something, you, you what you'll want to do is run that because you're working locally and eventually you're gonna you're gonna push to a repo. And the way that we had it set up was once you push the repo, there were webhooks set up in Git that w- GitHub that would take the master branch, like that version of the master branch, and pull it over to the demo server. Mm-hmm. And now that there's this compile stage and it's constantly compiling locally, you want it to end up like you want that you want that compiled thing to end up on the demo server. But in the way that they're doing that on the current project that I'm working on is and that you worked on is that the whole whole public directory is in the git repo which is kind of a nightmare because if you change one character and one file in the source directory it rewrites the entire public directory so you change one thing and you have like 400 files edited (laughs) so when you're going through the git history you're like yeah yeah, no, ideally you would want to keep public out of your repo. Right. And then and then um run the build script after you get it onto your onto your dev server. And um I say dev server because it's it's it generates static sites, but it's not like a static site generated ready for production. So if you're putting it onto a server, it's generally always gonna be to like to demo it to somebody. Oh yeah, it's not um, it's not yeah. the final. Product. It's not like a. You know, it's not like Jekyll or something. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, ideally you want to keep the public directory out of the repo and then run, <clears throat> run the build script once you you pull it down to your dev box. And we had we had started to do that for a while and uh, do that and we had you know, we're doing it for a while and uh, I forget what the what the exact reason for doing it the way we are. But I feel like it was more of a logistics coordinating, getting people on the same page thing than a than a technical issue, um, in in this case. Right. And um, yeah. And the other thing for me is that that build process does not do anything like the the CSS or, or JavaScript preprocessing that you typically want a build process to do. So we're using CodeKit as well. And then CodeKit builds like like CodeKit will take your like it'll take the SAS. And it'll build it to CSS inside the source directory, and then the Pattern Lab build script will copy it from the source um, to public. And ideally, what I'd like to see is this—you know, just you have all of your SAS files in the source directory, and then you run the build strip script, and it generates the CSS in public. But it, it doesn't do that currently. Yeah, that would be cool for them to add if yeah. it, if it automatically uh, at least the SAS, maybe Coffee Script as well. Those are two obvious ones. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that would be really cool. I mean, this seems like there's a way they could integrate with Grunt actually mm-hmm. and use that because it's not. I, I think it's based on the configuration options for this various CSS preprocessor. Well, I don't know what to call them, languages or whatever. Um, in CodeKit, it's complicated. Like, there's lots of different options for the way you want your code output, whether or not you want comments included, whether you want um, sort of debug comments inserted, and it's very complicated, so it would probably be a lot to write it from scratch. But you would think that they could integrate Grunt somehow, so that that the watcher ran Grunt before it created the 
Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it could just be that they have it because they want to keep it with an all PHP stack and Grunt is, Grunt is Node. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, well, that does make sense, yeah. So I don't know. So that means someone needs to write a Grunt web service. <laughs> that'd be that'd be that, efficient. <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> or it could just be that it's it's not a feature that they that they want or have got to yet. I don't know. Right. Um, I know Brad and I had talked about it a little bit. It's, it's kind of a nice to have, but yeah, I don't know if that's on their roadmap or not. Right. Well, I mean, they've already got the kitchen sink in there, so they might as well. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we've touched on Grunt, CodeKit, Asset Pipeline, Capistrano, Pattern Lab. Wow. Jeez, let's get off of that stuff and move to something <laughs> a little easier to visualize, like Adam. Speaking of atomic design, yes. Adam. Adam is my cousin. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Atom. Atom. Look out, radioactive man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delicious apple. <laughs> Adam is GitHub's text editor. Yes. Code editor. Um, sublime text um, competitor. <laughs> yeah, because it looks like it looks like like Sublime and TextMate are the two that are really going to be the most most comparable to Atom. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure they're gonna. I'm sure they're gonna include some some nifty GitHub integrations. One would think. Yep. <clears throat> and it's so the the big. Thing with Adam for me is like as customizable as Sublime Text is, it seems even more. <laughs> even more customizable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely definitely the editor for that you can geek out on. Yeah, it's it's like it's like you have the um the nice the nice GUI interface of Sublime and the custom customization capabilities of like Vim. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I downloaded it. I've been poking around with it a little bit. Um, haven't done a whole lot in it because I've <coughs> just been at a, a point right now where I just need to get things done. So I've right. just been using the editor I know. Right. Um, but from what I have looked at it, it feels uh, to be such an early – of course, this doesn't mean anything because it could have been working over two years for all I know. Right. But to be such an early release, it feels very complete. Mm -hmm. um, like it's lacking a little polish here and there, but it feels – feels very complete and capable as it is now so it's i'm really interested to see where they go with it yeah it's impressive and same same with you like you recently actually dragged me kicking and screaming from TextMate to uh sublime and in fact before that i'm not sure who did but somebody dragged me kicking and screaming from uh bb edit to TextMate. <laughs> yeah so someone if someone's out there wants to drag me kicking and screaming to adam that's probably what it's going to take yeah i just I, I love the idea of it, and it looks like it's going to be really nice that you can have all of that customization, and I'm sure it'll have some really some really useful GitHub integrations with it. I just I just don't know if I have the energy in me to, <laughs> to yeah. learn a new editor at this point. Right. So the 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 thing, in, in case people are wondering, especially if you're familiar with Sublime Text, like you can you can customize Sublime's like key. You can do a lot of things, like the, yeah, the keyboard shortcuts and. Of course, the themes and all of that stuff, but yeah. and if you want to start writing plugins, you can in which are, are Python scripts, you can go even even further. Yeah, you can go nuts, and it was sort of similar. The plugin concept was similar with TextMate bundles. Um, you could you could do all sorts of things like that, but Adam feels different to me. It it feels like um, 
it feels more webby, if that makes sense. It feels like it feels like they're going to be integrations where your editor is actually pulling data in real time from web services, or it feels like I don't know. It feels different. And yeah. And when you and it, if I'm not mistaken, when I say you can customize it, you can actually make like like oh, I I want to have four active panels in the screen. Like you can write HTML to change the UI. So do you remember Zool or did you ever hear of Zool? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Like I just, the name sounds familiar. Yeah. It's uh, I don't remember what it stood for, but it's like a, a markup language that they use to build the Firefox interface. Oh yeah. Okay. The, uh, you mean XUL? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's very like uh, it was sort of like MXML, the way that it, it had containers and like HBox and VBox and, mm-hmm. um, and it's it feels like that like you can you can create new GUI for Atom by just writing some HTML. Yeah. So that. I don't know. It's it's. I'll keep my eye on it, but like I said, someone's gonna have to drag me kicking and screaming out of my current editor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm. It's exciting, but eh, effort. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, people should check it out. If nothing else, they have an incredibly cool-looking website. It's one of my yes. favorites. Um. All right. So moving right along, uh, this next one, I don't even know what it is. So uh, <laughs> perhaps Kelly, you can tell us what Drop Zone is. Drop Zone is a little JavaScript library for making making and managing um, drag and drop areas for file uploads. Oh, cool! That makes I have sense. Been using it, I have been using it extensively the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure. And so, like, what sort of things? <coughs> what sort of things does it offer? Um, it's got a pretty good API for, and gives you event callbacks for adding a file. Uh, uploading things you can do during the upload before or after that sort of stuff uh, it supports multiple file uploads you can queue file uploads if you only want to send one at a time um, yeah um, Im- image previews that sort of thing cool is it like a jQuery plugin or is it uh, dependencies no it's a, it's a it's a it's a standalone library, and I believe there's a jQuery plugin that'll work with it. But I'm I'm not using it. Maybe I should be. Maybe that would like make my life a lot easier. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, for yeah, no, it's a it's a standalone library, and yeah, like there were there were some things like for instance, um, like it's not all there. Like you can dra- you know you can drag a file to it, and it'll go ahead and do the AJAX upload to the server, or you can set it to wait until the form submitted to upload. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, like if you have a, a preview of a file and you go, oh, I want to, I want to delete this file, then you can, you can click the little button to remove the file and it'll take it out of the preview and take it out of the file list um, of the form data. But if it's already been uploaded, uh, there's no, no way to set a call to the back end to have it um delete the file from the server so you have to you have to write that part yourself oh interesting kind of thing that kind of thing but um yeah pretty 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 flexible um pretty pretty good pretty good api good solid api and um you know the 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 generated markup that it that it creates is is pretty nice and Hmm. all in all i've just you know it's it's been 
probably the be- the best drag and drop um, file library I've, I've seen. So cool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the results of it, like the UI that you created for it, and it's super fancy. You know, it's like very like wow. That's you know, you just drop a bunch of files on, and like boom, they show up each with their own little progress bar embedded. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Was there a lot of learning curve for it? Is there good documentation, or is it a lot of trial and error? Um, it's not a not a huge. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of little bits and pieces to it. Um, it's not a not a huge learning curve, and it is pretty well documented. But it, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it took some some poking around at to, to really feel really to really feel comfortable doing doing more than than very basic things with it because we're also. On the particular project we're working on, we're having to do do some additional stuff. Like I had to also implement um, some reordering there, where you could sort of drag and drop, or sort of drag the photos around inside the drop zone and, and sort them that way. And so to be able to extend it to add that kind of stuff, it took me a while to get my head around how everything was working. But just for for basic usage and stuff, it's 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 good. Oh, cool! So like the the reordering is you extended drop zone to do the reordering, I, or because I could imagine you could have theoretically handled that with a totally different, like a, another drag and drop. Yeah. Um, I'm actually kind of, kind of doing mashing up uh, drop zone and, and jQuery UI there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Richard, Richard just brought me my tea that I made before we started recording and forgot about. Don't burn your face off. No, it wasn't in that mug. <laughs> it's actually kind of, kind of starting to cool off now. The flamethrower mug. Stuck it in the microwave for 30 seconds first, but Hey, can't be picky. He brought it to me. <laughs> I just hope the cat hasn't had any of it. <laughs> um, is there the other thing I was going to ask about Drop Zone? Is if it like what how the browser support is? If is there like flash fallbacks or is it is it just like uh, it'll fall back just to file input boxes? I see. Cool. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, you know later later versions of IE and uh, you know Firefox, Chrome, all that's good. Cool. So we didn't put it in the show notes to talk about, but that reminds me that you're doing a ton of work with Paperclip on the server side to receive all of that. I am doing a ton of work with Paperclip. Yeah, you want to talk about that for a second? Or like what it is and, and how you're, you, what you're using it for? Yeah, Paperclip was a gem by ThoughtBot for managing um, atta- file attachments uh, inside Rails applications. And it's probably one of one of the earliest um, gems that, that there ever was for this this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I know there are a few others out now, um, Carrier Wave and a couple others I don't remember don't remember the names of. But um Paperclip's still usually my go to because it works well and I it's it's easy to understand. And you can do things like uh you know there's there's ways to add uh post processing and, and that sort of stuff. If, well for images and, and it supports more than just images too. But um, so with any kind of file, you can say, "Oh, I want to convert." It's an audio file. I want to convert it, or or like um, only certain types are allowed. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, and it's got yeah. There's some there's functionality like built into it to do things like resize images. Um, but if you want to do any additional post processing uh, beyond that, you, you can you can do it. So yeah, because we're doing a lot of it, like a lot of resizing, a lot of making different versions. Mm-hmm. for different devices and and then and now the other big thing and this is probably a little bit of the tools conversation is all that stuff's going to s3 amazon s3 and that is and if i remember correctly paperclip has good s3 integration out of the box it wasn't something that you had to like 
gin up on your own afterward. No, that wasn't anything I had to do. Um, uh, yeah, you can just set your, your paperclip settings configuration to just go ahead and and dump everything onto S3. And of course, if you need to do any processing on the images, it'll pull it through your your you know your web server and process and then send to S3. So there's still still kind of that middleman there. But if you're not doing any any sort of um, processing on the files that are uploading, there are ways to send it directly to S3 with Paperclip. Oh, but, wow. Uh, I haven't looked into doing that personally because we don't really need it for, for our purposes. Yeah, we have to do processing. Yeah. So cool. Um, all right. So, well, speaking of JavaScript libraries, there's another one and, and visuals um, called PopcornJS. And it's funny because I, I actually saw this when it first came out. I didn't realize it was the same as the Mozilla Popcorn Maker project. Yeah. Uh, but it's the JavaScript library behind that. Uh, and uh, we're, we're, you did a bunch of work with it. And now I'm doing a little bit with it too. You want to explain what? what that's for yeah popcorn lets you basically lets you add um timed annotations to video html5 video yeah it's pretty sweet you kind of like arbitrary html so imagine like you've got a video playing and then and you've got like a box next to it and you could have like at a certain point in the video you could show a google map or you could show like a link to uh whatever an e-commerce site for the the product that's currently visible or whatever right i could say like if you're doing a, uh, if you're doing a video or a presentation you could link to code samples or that kind of thing yeah there's some pretty cool demos where where people do just that where they have like you know here here's me going through this code demo and then on the right hand side is this like interactive uh code sample where you can pause the video and then like like oh i can actually play with this code over here and see that what you know, the code from right. the video, here it is right here, live, yeah. almost like JS, JS Fiddle or, or Code Bin or whatever it's called. Code Pen. Code Pen, Code Kit, Code, code Cow, whatever. <laughs> code Cow. Um, this, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it, it's a pretty interesting, it's pretty easy way to create um, like a video-based multimedia web experience. <laughs> more <laughs> tm <laughs> yeah and like for instance we have all of that in a, in a json file and we just kind of pump it into the javascript and loop through the json file and create the popcorn objects which mm -hmm. which i shall henceforth call kernels <laughs> um, create the popcorn kernels yes exactly <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, when it comes right down to it, we don't really do anything anymore. We just like plug these things together <laughs> no, and we just sit, find, sit back. Yeah, find scripts that play nice together and, and do what we want to do. Yeah, it's like it's like hooking together garden hose. Yeah, no, I have written so much custom JavaScript over the last few weeks. I want to want to do a, an extraordinarily long blog post about it, but I may, I'm, I may die before I have to, of old age before I have time to. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean pretty much the only code I I've been doing PHP recently just to get some like some gunky yuck yucko server stuff done, but um, I've mostly been just writing. If I write code for the past couple of years, it's just been JavaScript all the time. So I'm getting pretty excited about um, and often not using libraries. I've been very anti-library for a while, <laughs> but uh, some of these are pretty sweet and they're pretty lean. So, and they just do one specific thing and it's like, well, if I was going to write this, I'd pretty much write this exact thing. So <laughs> yeah, might as well write it. Yeah. You know, as just long as use it. 
Yeah, yeah. My my big problem with third party libraries is when they try and do a ton of things that I don't need them to do. Yeah, yeah. The kitchen sink libraries. So, so tip: if you're if you're writing a library that you want to distribute and want people to use, um, pick one thing that you want it to do and and do that well. <laughs> Absolutely. And stop. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's a bunch of um, what's the site? Is it MicroJS? Is that what it's called? I think so. So yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of like you know sub five k libraries up there. Uh, I I think it's MicroJS, but we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, <clears throat> and uh, in fact, I think Fast Active is in there. I think it is. Almost feel like that needs a jingle. <laughs> Fast Active, yeah. yeah. Fast acting KOPEC date. <laughs> Burp. Uh, <laughs> Nausea, heartburn, upset, stomach, indigestion, diarrhea. No, wait, that's Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good total recall <laughs> on your part. Yeah, we are literally the smallest. Fast Active is literally the smallest library on MicroJS for touch <laughs> libraries. Wow. <clears throat> so you should, you should just, like, you know, use that as a promotional... <laughs> We're the most smallest microest. The microest. <laughs> um, we're, a, we're like nano. <laughs> right, exactly. So microjs.com has a whole bunch of um, very small single purpose libraries uh, that are that, that there's got to be something there that does what <laughs> we need. Um, the, the only th- the thing just to sort of temper that is uh, it just it makes me nervous <clears throat> like a lot of them aren't necessarily cross-platform friendly or whatever and don't fail gracefully so yeah that's one so thing to watch out for yeah with the smaller libraries that's something to look out for but uh i'm getting a little bit more open to it uh, getting a little bit more uh open to even like jquery mobile i just did a thing for o'reilly i did a webinar for two jillion people f- about building uh mobile apps or cross-platform apps with uh, jQuery mobile and phone. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I was like, Whoa, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was <laughs> Didn't a, seem like a typical John talk. No, I mean, it was, it was a little bit, I mean, I was the original contributor to, um, JQ touch. And when, yeah. when jQuery mobile came out, it was kind of, you know, everyone was like, Oh, JQ touch is dead. And so I was a little bit, a little bit irked by that, but I, you know, I got to hand it to them. They, the jQuery mobile is insanely good. And yeah. the, the team behind jQuery and jQuery mobile are just like the smartest people in the business. And they had, the testing is so extensive. There's just no way to compete with it. Um, and, and the, the one thing I would complain about with the sort of monolithic library, uh, which it is, uh, is that, you know, it's, it's big, but, they have uh, like modernizer and jQuery mobile. And I've seen more and more of these custom build tools where, you know, you know, which things you're using for say modernizer, like, you know, you don't care about SVG on this particular site, or, you know, you don't care yeah. about, I don't know, CSS animations or something. So yeah. you just do this custom, custom, uh, custom build. Yeah. It's just, you just check off the boxes and download the thing and it's like super small. So yeah, it's really, it's, it's, really hard to come up with any kind of argument against using uh you know jquery 2.0 and higher jquery mobile modernizer there's really there's no good argument against it really yeah um 
you know, the, the JavaScript purists will shudder to hear that, but uh, it's really pretty goddamn great. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, boy, we've covered a bunch of tools. Um, I, I, it's everything on my list. I don't know if you had other stuff that has occurred to you. or uh, No, I don't think so. That's that's pretty much, pretty much it. I've been doing mostly JavaScript the past few weeks, so. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, that's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaper. We hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye.